0: Hey, Calvary family, this is Pastor Michael Grove here on the Bible Reading app. Today, we continue our journey through the book of Matthew as we lead up towards Easter. Before we get there, we will have read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. These are what are called the synoptic gospels because they all agree with each other. So this is just helping prepare your heart as we get ready for that Easter season. But here we go, jumping today right into Matthew chapter 18. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin? Temptations are inevitable, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? So if your hand or foot causes you to sin cut it off and throw it away. It is better to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire with both of your hands and feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the ninety-nine that didn't wander away. In the same way, It is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, My Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with the servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me. I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brother and sisters from your heart. Matthew chapter 19. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went down to the region of Judea, east of the Jordan River. Large crowds followed him there and he healed their sick. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning God made them male and female. And he said, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked? Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus' disciples then said to him, If this is the case, it is better not to marry. Not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said. Only those whom God helps. Some are born as eunuchs, some have been made eunuchs by others, and some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their head and blessed them before he left. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones? the man asked. And Jesus replied, You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Then Peter said to him, We've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are greatest now will be least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. This concludes the reading for today. Let me give you a few thoughts before we end our time together. I just want to revisit this parable of the unforgiving debtor for just a second. Jesus told this parable about a man who has forgiven his debt, but then went and refused to forgive someone else's debt. In fact, the man was forgiven a large debt, but then wouldn't forgive the debt of one of his servants who owed him a small amount of money. I know we can look at this story and think, it's so mean that that man would do that. How could he forget that he was forgiven a huge debt and then turn around and be so mean? But remember, Jesus was telling this parable to everyone who would hear it because he knew that all of us could relate to this story. Right now, you're probably thinking, how? I can't relate with this. But I want to ask a question. Why is it so hard to forgive other people? Whenever I ask someone this, they usually respond with, but Pastor Michael, you don't know what they did to me. Or, but you didn't walk through this. You could never understand. Okay, that's valid. No one could ever truly understand why you feel the way you do. Even if their experience was exactly the same, they can't bring your past, your chemical makeup, your thought process, or the way you deal with things into the exact same situation. But here is the thing. There's a reason that back in Matthew 5.23, Jesus said this, if you're presenting sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. God knows whether you can admit it to yourself or not, that when you aren't in right relationship with someone for any reason at all, it strongly affects your relationship with God and with other people. Think about it this way. If someone has offended you and said something mean to you, anytime anyone says something that even remotely feels the same, you burst out at them. Why? Because you've associated the entire problem on them. When someone doesn't put you first and does something selfish, you take it out on everyone in your life that doesn't start the conversation with, oh, how are you today? The list goes on. When we have a problem with somebody else, we associate the way other people act towards us with the same problem. Whether you're ready to admit it or not. Unforgiveness affects the way you view the world. So in Jesus' parable, the man was forgiven a huge debt, but the moment someone else didn't pay him back, he took it out on them. Think about this. If the man was about to be thrown in prison and lose it all, he probably thought through every single person in his life that owed him money. In that moment, he probably sat there and put blame on them. And thought about how generous he had been, even though he didn't really have the money to do so. So his unforgiveness blinded him to the fact that he was just being forgiven so incredibly much. The main point of Jesus saying this was to remind you how much you have been forgiven. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, before we were ever even able to accept the fact that we were forgiven, because we didn't even know or care that we needed it. Christ paid the price so we could be forgiven. If he can do that for us, we should be able to forgive anything someone else does to us. Look, the truth is, forgiveness isn't easy. It takes work. But for your sake, in the sake of others in your life, find forgiveness wherever you can. Let go of the hurt, move past the pain, and release the hold that someone else has over your life. That's all the time we have for today. I love you, and God bless.